39 now, so good job us. We're almost into double digits. Um, but uh, the main thing is the, there's obviously not a hell of a lot of sport, but um, the big thing was the NFL draft. Um, but we also found a few things we wanted to talk about. Um, we've got Bondi's Obscure Sport, as always, and we've got the Wanker of the Week. Cootsie, are you good with the Wanker of the Week this week? Oh, it's a cracker this week. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> Um, but the main things we wanted to talk about was obviously our, our favourite three picks from the draft room. Uh, we'll, we'll pick three each. Um, and then we were also talking a bit about just the amazing names. Like, you, you, Cootsie, I think you were talking to us about um, some of the college names for the, for the teams. You came up with one in particular. Uh, is this, this Yeetor we're talking about? No, oh, no, no. Sorry, sport the... names. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've always, for some reason... Oh, purely for the name, not for the sport whatsoever, but for some reason, minor league baseball. So when you go from, from major to like triple A, double A, single A baseball teams and the towns in the middle of nowhere, for some reason, these teams just have the most amazing, you know, they're not, they're not a duplicate of a major league team in, in most of the aspects, but they just have some of the most amazing, amazing team names and, and things that you wouldn't have thought could think of in a million years. Yeah, there's some tremendous ones, mate. They they really are some outstanding ones. That I mean, I'm sure they have some reference in history, but you know, shit, I don't know. But uh, and of course, Bondi, your favourite man. We're going to have a bit of a chat about Todd Greenberg stepping down from a CEO from uh, from the NRL. Yeah, did he get a tap on the shoulder, or do you reckon he's just like, no, nah, I'm out? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I reckon it was uh, probably a bit of both. I reckon probably a bit of both. Um, yeah, it, it's he's. Um, yeah, well, we'll get into it a little bit more, and, and we'll talk a bit about Raylene Castle from the other from the other code uh, rugby union. Um, she stepped down recently as well. Um, after the she after I feel for her, she copped a hell of a lot of flack though, the poor thing. But uh, and then of course uh, we also we're going to become fashionistas and uh, talk all about the new uh, uniforms in the uh, in the NFL um, and whether we like or dislike. Um, Kuzi, your Chargers got a, a brand new powder blue wonderful uniform. Oh, stop it. Mate, if I'm going to hit 300-pound men uh, with my helmet, I, I want to look great while I'm doing it. Don't, don't knock them. I, the, by far, I reckon they're the best uniforms in the NFL, by far. <laughs> Mate, I thought the Bumblebee for uh, for the Steelers when they play the Heritage Round was the best. That was my favourite. But well, <laughs> well, well I, let, let, the, the big news, that we'll get straight into it. So we'll have a look at the, um, the NFL draft. So that was the big one. Um, the, there was obviously... It was a virtual draft. Um, and I was watching some of the uh, <laughs> some of the general managers. I don't know if you guys saw them, um, but the the places they were drafting from from it was amazing. Like Bruce Arians is just sitting there being very Bruce Arians, just a chilled out, laid back dude. He's got like a, a big drink of like whatever he's got there, just sitting there. He's like the camera just angled right up, and he's got seventeen chins piling out. It's amazing. But then you got like <laughs> on, the, on the other side where you've got this other dude with a, a live camera view of this enormous mansion in his enormous living room, just ridiculous, huge, opulent living area. And you're like, come on, man, like a huge fireplace. It's just ridiculous. But Tell, uh, tell yeah. me tell me, you saw Cliff Kingsbury picking yes. his Arizona mansion, who looked like every drug cartel bad guy off, yeah. every, Nick, off every Nick Cage movie you've ever seen in your life. Man, I thought I thought Harvey Specter. I thought he was uh, like suits, mate. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was just sitting there, like, yes, I'm a multi bajillion dollar lawyer, and I'm sitting here in my nice Manhattan apartment. <laughs> well, one of the good things that this virtual draft did is he got to see like the general managers and their coaches with all their family and and kids running around in like whatever team gear that they they work for, and then you had um, Mike Vrabel from 
the Tennessee Titans, who one of his kids dressed up as Frozo from The Incredibles, and oh, his, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. his his other son ha- was like rocking his dad's um, uh, Pro Bowl jersey with like a with like an eighty style peroxide blonde mullet on. Oh Jesus. I don't know if that was significant to anything, but I just love the contrasting difference between Cliff Kingsbury and then whatever is happening in Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a there's always a uh, a big disparity between them. It's, it's amazing, but no, but that, that's something I Cliff Kingsbury is a different kind of dude. But hey, good on him, man. I thought it was great. Like I actually really quite enjoyed it. And you know, the commissioner um, they had the virtual crowd behind him for each team, which was awesome. And uh, it, it was actually pretty well done. I thought the NFL did a good job of it, considering. Uh, old mate COVID. Um, but look, why don't we kick off? I know, um, the best three picks. Uh, what, what, what we can do, we can do one each if you like. So that way, um, we can, we can just go one each at a time. So Bondi, who, who was your favorite pick, mate, from, uh, from the, from the draft? Mate, Joe Burrow, number one. Yeah. I've got a bit of an LSU theme going with my picks tonight. So bear with me. <laughs> That's all right. No, look, it, it, it's a fair point, though. I mean, he's kind of like, uh, I guess, Cincinnati's kind of seeing him as their saviour, right? Yeah, well, that's right. And um, in his uh, interview post-selection, um, he said that he's been in chats with the Bengals um, for a while. Um, their coaches um, are pretty happy with his gameplay um, and the way he wants to take the team and that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's fairly confident. He said the best thing that he's going to bring to uh, the Bengals is leadership. Um, so he's very confident moving forward, um, back to his own game, um, and said that the, the Bengals have got his back to do so. So I think uh, looking forward, I'm a little bit sceptical, but we've got to give him a couple of seasons to um, cut his teeth, I reckon. But Looking forward to 2022, uh, 2023, I reckon. If he's done his job right, the Bengals might be a team to watch. True, true. I think you're right. Now, hopefully, if the uh, if the Bengals actually pick up um, a couple more weapons for him, that'd be unreal, particularly in the passing game. I mean, he's got a decent running back to go with, but uh, AJ Green is getting to the end of his career. They haven't got much else behind him, so... Yeah, that, that's but uh, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's it's it's uh, definitely a, a one for it, one to watch for sure. Um, and what about you, Coots? Who was who was your first? Well, I'm going to be biased here, and I like the Chargers picking up Justin Herbert <laughs> at six. Um, heir apparent to Phil Rivers, uh, big Rivers fan. It was sad to see him go, but it's the kind of decline in the last couple of years was very apparent. The dude is virtually senior citizen as far as an NFL, even as a quarterback goes. Um, I like the situation. I really like the situation he's going into. So unlike these other other quarterbacks were taken, and, and like Burrows, upon I just mentioned, the guy in the off season, the Chargers have just revamped that O line, so he's going to finally have from some protection in front of him. He's thrown to like all pro receivers. He's got Mike Williams on one side, or like six foot four of him, and Keenan Allen. He's arguably one of the best. Uh, wide receivers in the game. And he's also got Hunter Henry as well for now, who's oh, yes. just kind of un, under the radar, but again, one of the best tight ends in the game. They've got Austin Eckler in the backfield who can take the load, so Herbert is not expected to be the guy straight away, which I think is very, very big. You look at, um, w- without leading too much about my other pick, 
what happened to Rivers when he, uh, sorry, to um, Rogers when he got drafted. He sat a couple of years behind Farb. I expect a similar thing to happen in LA that what happened to, um, uh, who was it, Baker Mayfield to the Browns a couple of years ago. He's probably going to sit behind Tyrod Taylor, ironically, the same guy that was in Cleveland that did it for him. He's probably going to sit behind him for, I imagine, a first few games anyway. And, um, has everything to be successful there. Good defense, good line, good everything really. So it's a really good situation for him to go to. I agree. Like if I if I was a starting quarterback, probably the Chargers is definitely the organization I'd want to go to. I mean, I was a big Rivers fan. I had him in my fantasy team for like the last five years in my dynasty team. I signed him up forever. <laughs> um, he, he was great. I used to love having him in there, man. And uh, but yeah, look, it, it's I don't know what he's going to do in. in was, but but definitely it's a very good situation for him. He, it's not like he's going to be short of people to chuck it to with Keenan Allen and all the rest, uh, the, the rest of them behind him. But um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see. There's some people that say he may not be as polished as 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 the as the um, the draft Knicks have sort of said he is. There's some I heard some rumours that he may not be as good. But look, the, the, like I'm talking, that's probably like five percent of it. Ninety-five percent of the people reckon he's going to be a very very good quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here on. Um, for me, I, I, it's it's rare that I say that I like something that the New York Jets did, but in this in this particular one that I, I actually did, um, they took care of their O line with Mackay Becton. That he wasn't necessarily my favorite pick; he was very obvious. But for me, they they were very very lucky at pick number fifty nine, which is like very late in the second round. They fell into fell into their lap from Baylor. They had Denzel, who was a guy who I cannot believe he lasted as long as he did. He's a brilliant, brilliant um, receiver. He's kind of like um, uh, probably probably like Shark from the um, from the Jags. He, he had a thousand yard um, season a uh, year or two ago. But um, basically, Mims is just going to be a guy that can stretch the field. Um, he can play underneath if he has to play across the field. He's just going to be a really good weapon for Sam Darnold, um, who's going to look up with obviously with a very good offensive tackle that's going to help him out. But with Denzel Mims. Um, he's going to actually have someone to throw to, um, other than just, you know, the dirt, which, uh, basically <laughs> was where, you know, it, it was just ridiculous. It was, um, cause even like, he's got Le'Veon Bell, which is handy, but that's just a dump off machine. Like, that's all that's going to be. Um, yeah. whereas with Denzel Mims, he actually has a legit option to, to chuck the ball to, which is great for them. And I think, not that I think he's going to make the Jets, um, some powerhouse, but he's actually going to make them moderately competitive this year, which will be actually quite a nice change. Um, but, look, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do with him and how they use him, but I, I think Denzel Mims will do quite well there. Um, and coming out of Baylor, Baylor's normally pretty solid school as well. But I just, I was, the, it was more the point that I was amazed they picked him up at 59 um, late in the second round. I thought that was ridiculous value. He should not have been there. He should have gone very, very late in the first or very, very early in the second. So, happy days, good for them. Um, but, uh, Bondo, who was your second pick, mate? Mate. It's uh, Carlevon Chason, uh, linebacker going to the Jaguars, number 20 draft pick. Yep, yep. Yep, that's all I got. Carlevon Chason. It was just based on, based on the name, mate, based on the names. No, so what I did was um, pulled up the LSU. I saw an article that said LSU had uh, five first-round draft picks uh, and they're the only school to do it in oh, God knows how long. Um, and I'm like, ooh, have a look at that. Um, so they got 1, 20, 22, 28, and 32 um, in their first-round draft picks. So 
Um, you'll never guess who I'm going with next, right? <laughs> oh, I, oh, man, I, I won't spoil it for everyone. I won't spoil it for everyone. But no, but look, it, it will be, it will be very, very good. Um, uh, Caleb and Chason, he was very, very good. He's going to basically help out the Jags, I think. Um, because they had, um, oh, who, who, who did they have? Not Dante Fowler. Um, who did they have leave them, um, the Cootsie with the, their, their defense? They're trying, he's trying to release the, the main guy from the backfield from them. Uh, Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell, thank you. Calais Campbell um, went to the Ravens yep. in the offseason. The, the, the Jags' defense is going to look really different because Yannick Ngokwe, great name, is looking yes, to get right. out of Jacksonville as well. So That's the, the guy that's the, thinking of, Ngokwe. Chase yep. Yon and the guy, the, the Josh Allen, the non-quarterback Josh Allen that took uh, a draft or two ago from either edge, it's a d- different kind of new age rebuild Jacksonville, which is, you know, about the 13th time they've done it in the next, in like, probably the last 16 years, but anyway. You're not wrong, you're not wrong. But, no, but that's, it's good, though. Like, that's, that's, Caleb and Chase is definitely a good pick, Bondo. He's, um, he's good value at 20 as well. I thought he, he went, uh, I thought he was actually going to go in the top 15. But, yeah, definitely um, the Jags, they needed some help there. So I'm glad that he went. Um, and, Kutsi, who was your second pick? So I really liked what the 49ers did in this draft. They, in the offseason, they traded uh, DeForest Buckner to the Colts to get a first round, another first round pick. Buckner was in the last year of his rookie contract. So what do they do? They go out and draft um, defensive tackle Kinlaw. I can't think of his first name off the top of my head. But it, he, that's the one. So they, they basically, they get rid of Buckner, who was reasonably good get a first-round pick for him. They draft his direct replacement, who, again, is going to be salary cap relief. We found out uh, they trade, I think, with the Vikings later in the round. They pick up a wide receiver they desperately need. But then what I love is that they do a, dra- uh, uh, a trade with the Redskins to get kind of long-forgotten Trent Williams, a left tackle from the Redskins, who mm. had kind of just gone nowhere, one of the best and has been for a very long time, still reasonably young, especially for left tackle. They go out, they trade for him, they give up peanuts for him virtually, and then literally hours later you find out that their stud left tackle, Joe Stanley, retires. So you look at what the 49ers have done with John Lynch in the office, they, they, they go out and they get a receiver that Kyle Shanahan, who is just, it's what he does is he skims wide receivers open better than anyone else in the NFL. They go get a stud wide receiver. They go get a direct one-for-one replacement for DeForest Buckner, and they only have to pay him a rookie contract to do it. They don't have to fork out millions to then re-sign Buckner. And they're right. They're going to be right back in Super Bowl contention again. I agree, mate. No, that, that was, I was a big fan. Um, actually, Brandon Ayuk, who's the, the receiver that they picked up. Um, he's actually, name. Mm, a great name. Great name. Ayuk. I don't know. Anyway, but, but the point is, um, he, he's not, he may not be the best, quote unquote, receiver in the draft, but to me, he's my favorite receiver because whenever I see guys, um, that come out of college with, a lot of uh, return, punt return, kick return um, experience, which he did. He was brilliant. I saw some highlights for him, and he's just a freak of nature. The agility on this guy is just bananas. He just breaks people's ankles. Um, <laughs> but he just does a great job. And uh, I saw him coming out of it, and I, I think he's going to do exceptionally well. I think he's going to be like what um, Scary Terry, like Terry McLaurin, what he did for Washington. Um, I think he's going to be 
that for um, San Francisco, who they lost. Uh, was it Emmanuel Sanders, I think, um, went from them. Um, and they also traded Marquise Goodwin, um, who was kind of like their speedster. He's, he's gone to the Olympics and whatnot anyway. Um, but yeah, so he's, um, yeah, so that's all gone. But yeah, it, it's, that's, a, that's true. The Niners had a great draft, but yeah, definitely getting a replacement defensive lineman was a, definitely a great idea. Um, for me, my, my second pick, um, was probably, I'm going to be a homer here and, and get the, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought, um, I mean, this was a very, very late in the draft. Um, they picked him up, pick 198, round six. Um, coming out of Maryland, it was a, he's, he's listed as a safety. His name's Antoine Brooks, Jr. Um, now Antoine, I'm, I don't know, apparently that's, yeah, I don't know, that's a great name anyway. But, uh, Antoine Brooks Jr., he, he's a safety, but he can play, um, linebacker if he has to. They can kind of plug and play him anyway. But he's just, he's a player for, I'm not sure why he dropped as far as he did to the round six. He probably should have been like a round three or four talent, uh, from what I read about him and what the highlights that I've seen. He can just, he, he can just tackle and just destroy people. Like he's very, very strong, very quick, uh, can read defenses, uh, read offenses, sorry very well and um he just coming out of nowhere i don't know why he dropped to 198 is very very late and the steelers picked him up but that's the value for that guy is insane um and he's going to do very very well for the steelers i mean we've got we're lucky we've got minka fitzpatrick and, and a few really good players um on our defense we had a, a ridiculous defense last year and i think he's going to come in and help out um we haven't had like a because uh, we used to have troy polamalu play for us we haven't had anyone that good since uh, since Troy Polamalu, and I'm hoping this guy. I don't think he's going to quite be that level, um, but yeah, look, if he can even you know come close to doing that kind of a game um, and that kind of level, I'll be I'll be stoked. But um, that's pretty much for that's my second pick. And uh, so Bondi, who's your number three from LSU? <laughs> yeah, mate. Wide receiver Justin Jefferson. So he's going to the Vikings. Yes. Um, re- replacing. Stefan Diggs over there. Um, yeah, so, again, haven't got much else uh, other than he is extremely cocky. Um, so his message straight out of the selection is uh, to the quarterback, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl, mate. So um, I, I don't know that'd whether be, he knows be Kirk Cousins, coming out of LSU. But, yeah, mate. I, that'd be Kirk Cousins to the quarterback, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we can tell Bondi Bondi's he's aficionado of the NFL. He's he's doing well. He's doing mate, you you do you're doing well for a guy that doesn't follow it. You you are kicking goals, mate. Mate, ask me anything. <laughs> mate, he's, he's got he's got an opinion on anything, he'll tell you, don't worry, it's alright. How <laughs> many L S U how many L S U players were drafted? Mate, they won thirteen games straight this season. How many players were drafted? <laughs> Five in the first round. There was 14, 14 in total, which is actually a new record. Like you oh, said, they won 13 games this year, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, sorry, man, sorry. I was trying to go political there for a second. No, you did well. You did well. No, but look, uh, it's, it's, but no, look honestly, though, um, uh, I think um, Jefferson's going to – he's going to be a brilliant addition for them because, like, Stefan Diggs um, – was a giant headache for them. They moved him on, um, and Diggs is going to do well in Buffalo anyway, let's face it. Um, but having Adam Thielen, um, they've got uh, Rudolph as a tight end still there, but they've got the young guy uh, who I'm drawing a blank on the tight end's name. Um, but, yeah, but look, they've got a very, very good team. Their defense is very strong. 
Um, they've got a good uh, good running game, provided he doesn't get injured. Um, but no, but he's going to Adam Thielen and uh, Jefferson are going to do very very well side by side um, this year, I think. Uh, and and <laughs> and mate, who was uh, who was your your next one? I I couldn't pick a third overall. I um, I'm way too invested in the draft. I think it's more because I've been starved for sport for so long. But um, there was a couple kind of honourable mentions all for equal place. Um, One was, um, and I apologise if I steal any of your thunder, but one that kind of I think everyone was amazed by was the Packers taking uh, Jordan Love at 26. Mm. That that the, you know, of um, taking effectively the replacement for Aaron Rodgers uh, so early. We, We know historically it was the exact same thing that, uh, Rogers was brought in in 2004 to replace Favre. He sat behind Favre, I think, for three years as well. But um, for a team being the the Packers being a game away from a Super Bowl, you must think Aaron Rodgers has to be pissed the fact that his general manager, which I think has the best name ever, I can't remember his first name. His surname is Gudekunst. Oh, uh, Gudekunst, Gudekunst. Gudekunst. <laughs> He's gone out and drafted, rather than, you know, giving him help, especially at wide receiver or any kind of receiving threat whatsoever, he's gone out and just gone, we're just going to get your replacement in three years' time, dude. Don't worry about it. Oh, I know. I feel I feel for Rogers, man. I feel for him. I do. Like, it, yeah. Uh, you, you're right. I feel for him. I, I like the Giants and Jets going out and getting someone to protect their uh, franchise quarterbacks. I felt for... Um, the, the Jets quarterback for the last couple of years has had no one to protect him. Beckton they got yeah. at left tackle. He's a monster. He will straight up eat defensive linemen. Yeah. If you if you haven't got a chance to Google him, make sure you do it. That guy's a freak. He's an absolute monster. And then I guess the, the last note I had was the Panthers, for the first time ever, are a team that went completely defense throughout the entire draft. Yes, yes, they they, they did. did not draft one one special team or offensive player for the entire draft. They went completely defense. It's, it's that was an interesting move. I thought, like, I, I was kind of sitting there going, like, I, I mean, I, I get it, but you would have thought they would have added at least like a wide receiver somewhere. They don't. It's not like they're stacked at wide receiver. It's kind of a really bizarre draft process to go. Okay, let's just address the off the the, the um offense in the off-season, and all they really did is they offloaded Greg Olsen at tight end, and they signed Teddy Bridgewater. And yeah, like, and they cut, uh, they cut That's how you're... They're just clearly going to run everything through um, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. and then they just... <laughs> yeah. drive, I mean, they, they got some great defensive players, don't get me wrong. Um, Utah and Gross Mortis is one of those, but um, just to go completely defense is, is really, really bizarre. Um Apart from that, the only other real note I had was um, the Pats. Everyone kind of anticipated that they would take a quarterback at some point, maybe Jake Fromm later in you know day two or three. That didn't happen. He ended up going to the Bills in the fifth round, I think. Um, and the Patriots kind of did what they did. They, they traded back in the draft. They got a bunch of players that Bill Belichick is just going to this versatile, they don't play one position particularly well. You've got a bunch of tight ends. You've got a bunch of safeties that can play virtually anywhere in the field. So I thought the Patriots did a really, really patriotic-style draft as well. 
Yeah, they, they they did. You're not wrong. I mean, like they the 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 second tight end that they drafted, whose name I, I'm struggling to remember it, but no, but they um they did a, a, a bit of a bizarre draft. I thought like uh, they they addressed a few areas, but like they didn't get a quarterback. You're right, which I, I don't mind that. I think Jarrett Stidham's going to be fine, and they got Hoyer as their backup, so I think I think they won't have too many dramas there, but. They they needed to um, oh that's right Dalton Keane he was a, he came out of Virginia Tech he he was the second one they took there um, but the weirdest one though in round five they got Do, uh, jo, uh, Justin Rawasa um, he's out of Marshall University which you know it's obviously famous from the movie We Are Marshall but he's a kicker like yes. they just it was it was just real weird like no like I I have no idea but he just decided you know what. I don't need to take guards and linebackers or a wide receiver. No, no, no. What I need is a kicker. Like I don't know, man. Like, it was the, that was that was probably the weirdest one for me. Um, but look, I, I was a big fan of it. But probably um, one of the, what was another weird thing that happened was yeah, the, there was the the Carolina Panthers. They they drafted a bunch, but Chicago Bears that their first pick for the draft was now that they've got 10 tight ends on their roster now. They just yeah, so I did see that. I was amazed yeah. by that. And they, yeah, 10 tight ends now on their roster. Yep. Clearly, you're not going to have 10 into the season, but yeah. No, no, of course, they'll cut a couple, but they've got Cole Komet, who is apparently brilliant out of the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, who we'll talk about later. Um, but uh, he was he, he was a very bizarre addition for me. Like I did not understand that. Um, at all, but you know they they decided they needed it, so you know obviously they know their teams better than we do, or at least you hope they do. Um, yes, exactly. But yeah, but uh, but other than that, look for me, I, I thought um, pretty much there wasn't anyone that really did anything weird, except for probably actually the um, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, which I, I sort of used to saying Las Vegas Raiders instead of Oakland. Um, yes, exactly right. But uh, look, they 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 took oh, they they took a wide receiver. Um, uh, in, at the start there, I mean, they were saying that they should have taken um, C.D. Lamb or something like that. They took Henry Ruggs the third. Yeah. Yeah, which that was an interesting one for me, but that, I didn't mind it too much. I like Henry Ruggs. And the, you know, there was three three guys at the start there that you could have had, but I didn't have any problems with them taking Henry Ruggs. He's ridiculously fast, so I, I don't think he'll have any dramas. I really don't. He, he's he's going to be fine. He'll, he'll basically just have Derek Carr just lobbing the ball down the field. He'll just get there. It doesn't matter. Um, but the weird one for me was Damon Arnett. That, that didn't make sense. And I, I didn't pick 19, the first round of the draft, Ohio State. Good player, but they could have basically traded back and got him, you know, 10, 20 picks <laughs> like that. Like, like I, I have no idea what they were doing there. Yeah, you're right. I think um, I, I forget the NFL analyzer uh, guy who I, I don't think it was Mel Kiper or someone who who had Arnett ranked as uh, the 15th best cornerback. Yes. Yeah. So uh, clearly, clearly, John Gruden and Mike Mayock really loved the kid to bring him in a pick nineteen overall, when yeah, really you had it. you had Bondi's boy going a pick later at Chasing as well. So yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Caleb on Chasing went like yeah, he went at twenty, which uh, I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe he turns out to be a Pro Bowler. Who the hell knows, man? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I, I certainly didn't stand there. But look, my, my favorite pick though. Um, Probably, I'm, I'm a big fan of the guy. Um, it's Cam Akers. Um, he's going to go to the Rams. Um, they picked him up in the second round, uh, which is about right for, for what his value is. But he's coming out of Florida State as a running back. Um, basically, they axed Gurley, and all they've got left is Malcolm Brown. And uh, there's another one there, but I, I'm blanking on his name. 
Um, but no, no one of, of any particular note um, in the running back ranks. So Cam Akers, I think, is going to slot in there at the Rams, um, and he's going to basically be their new Todd Gurley um, and hopefully just have a bit more durable right knees. Um, and that, that's, that's pretty much it for me. But I love Cam Akers. I thought he was going to be really good. But um, any other notes on the draft there, boys? Uh, not surprisingly, nothing further for me. <laughs> Just one thing. Out of all my uh, draft predictions, I had one wrong. So I had six uh, offensive tackles taken. Exactly six went. Four QBs, four QBs went. I only picked four wide receivers. I think six in total went the first round. I said uh, four drafts, exactly four. Sorry, tra- drafts. Four trades, exactly four trades happened. But then old buddy um, Kansas... City Chiefs, right, and pick 32, the last pick of the first round, take a heart, take a running back when I said no running backs will be taken in the first round. So old buddy Coach Reed there stitched me up right at the end and, and drafted a running back just out of spite. The dude must have known. He, he did, mate. That's, they said, that was my thoughts. I thought, I'm you know, sure he's a follower. I'm sure he's a follower. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm sure out of out of the listeners we have, Andy Reid, he's like, mate, these three, <laughs> these three yobos from Australia, man, we all have to listen to these guys talk. Like, they clearly know their shit. <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let, let's uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the draft. I mean, we could talk about that for the next 14 years, but you know, dissect every pick and what we think is going to happen. But we'll look, we'll look into uh, into something a bit closer to home, and we'll have a look at um, what happened with. Um, our two, two of our three biggest codes in Australia in terms of football, we've had uh, Rugby League and Rugby Union's two top people um, both step down. Um, Bondi, we'll, we'll kick off with you with the uh, with the NRL, mate, and Todd Greenberg. Um, he got a $650,000 payout after stepping down as CEO and leaving basically the NRL in tatters. What, what, what were your thoughts there, mate? Well, firstly... He didn't leave the NRL in tatters, but how can they afford to pay him six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get out the door? The break. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago, they're saying to the government, "Please, sir, can we have some more?" And mm. now they're paying him six hundred and fifty thousand when his contract's up at the end of the season anyway. Like, oh, what's yeah. going on? So, yeah, I'm well confused about that. Um, but yeah, I. I think that if he got a tap on the shoulder, he got a tap on the shoulder, but just as equally, if he's going, nah, jack this, all yours, bud, um, and pull the pin, I absolutely do not blame him at all. Yeah, look, I, I wonder, because like Todd Greenberg, he, he hasn't been around in the job too long, I don't think. Um, Three. Only, big button. I think it's only three years or something like that. It's not very long at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, not he hasn't been around forever or anything like that. Um, and I think that he came in at a time when the NRL, like, like Cootsie, I think we've we've talked about this before, like as well, like where it's just been the the difference in between the AFL and the NRL. I mean, I, I go to a Collingwood game, even if it's just a random game against, uh, like, I mean, if you go to Carlton, that's a pretty big rivalry, but even if you go to, I went to Collingwood and Sydney up in, at, at uh, in, and I went there to, to the stadiums in Sydney, or even against GWS, and there was always 50, 60, 70,000 people there. I mean, it, not too long ago, we were averaging 70,000 people at a home game to a Collingwood match. I mean, I go to the Cowboys games, a uh, home game, we have a stadium that can only fit 15,000. 
Um, even when they came down to Sydney, the, the crowds topped out at about 30,000. So, uh, and, and they have just as many people basically playing as they do in the AFL. And these contracts are very similar. So I had no idea how they were making their money. And obviously this is what's happened now is that they've come down and said, well, we have no money. But yeah, I mean, obviously paying out Todd Greenberg, he was on a $1.2 million contract, which is a thing. Um, and then, they, they've left it like this, so I, I don't know. What, what are you guys thinking about? Like, I, I'm just, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pissed about the whole thing, to be honest. <laughs> well, by the sounds of that, they've just saved themselves six hundred and fifty thousand dollars as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, give him a payout, and get to the door. Um, Mate, it's a savvy financial move. But yeah, no, I, I think that, yeah, yeah, but. I don't know, financially, yeah, not much has been gone the NRL's way. Um, and Peter Volandi's, you know, obviously trying to make a change and seeing that it was, he's been the CEO for four years, not three years, um, Greenberg that is. Uh, yeah. but, um, uh, yeah, having not changed anything and then seeing the NRL in crisis, um, obviously not the right guy for the job. Uh, choose to get him out sooner rather than later, uh, and give the opportunity to someone who can um, can turn it into a business basically and get it financially viable. Because at the moment, it's definitely not. Oh, I, I agree. I think they they kind of need. Um, uh, I guess what the AFL did some years ago, they get in a guy uh, to do like a wartime consigliere type role, where they just come in. And they, they're not there for the next 20, 30 years. They're there for a five year period to do like, well, similar to what they did with Chrysler and, and a few other places. They get a CEO in who knows how to get a company back to being viable. They're not a, they're not just a game manager. They come in and they just hammer out a plan, get it ready to go, make the business lean again, get profit margins back up and then get it up and running to a, a good standard again. So hopefully that's what they do. But the, you know, we, we all know the NR. RL is pretty useless when it comes from a corporate standpoint. They have been for decades. I mean, the Super League debacle in the 90s, etc., etc. But look, man, I, I love the game, so fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see how it goes moving forward, I guess. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, the other one was Raylene Castle stepping down. Cootsie, did you read much about this one with the uh, rugby union side of things? Uh, I saw a little bit. This one kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I'm not going to pretend to be any kind of a, a expert in that area whatsoever, but it seems an unusual time for a CEO in any capacity to step down when you're on the verge of, because everyone keeps talking about, are we going to have, in terms of sport, 2020 having an asterisk next to it? So are we going to have, as far as the AFL concerned, apparently a memo was sent out from um, Gill this week to clubs with an announcement early May for a potential return to playing uh, in, in early June, and we're hopefully going to get our, you know, 16 other games for the rest of the year. But it, it seems to be an unusual time for any CEO to step down, which kind of leads to believe there must be a reason, clearly must be a reason behind it, and if it's pressure from somewhere else to step down. And on the flip side is who would want to step in and be the CEO of any major sporting league when they're facing something that we touched on a couple of weeks ago um, hmm. when... You know, two world wars hasn't stopped a you know professional sporting <laughs> league. For example, we're talking about this global pandemic that is now getting you know 
professional sporting league CEO fired, well, it's clearly the reason behind it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened any, in, in any other way. So, mm. it, you know, biggest belief that it's happened now. And who, who wants to be that poor lamb to the slaughter to step in and go, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a crack at it. Yeah, sure. No, mate, look, if you're going to pay me 650000 bucks, mate, I'll go do it. No worries at all. <laughs> mate, I'll, I'll take a punt. No worries. But, no, look, you're right. And look, the, the big thing with Raylene Castle, from what I understand, I mean, look, obviously none of us is actually in the boardrooms, but she reckons that she no longer felt she had the support of the governing body's board. So that says to me it was a bit of a tap on the shoulder. But, I mean, I feel for her, though, because she's been there since a very similar, actually. Her and Greenberg actually stepped into the roles at similar times. Um, so she came in in 2017. But for Raylene Castle, like, I mean, I've followed rugby union since I was a kid. Like, I love the Brumbies, and, and I've watched, you know, I grew up watching George Gregan and John Eels and all that. Um, but the, she, she copped a lot of flack because of the way she handled the Israel Folau debacle with him posting dumb crap on social media about, you know, I think was it, I don't know, what, I can't remember exactly what the post was, but it was something just basically not liking gay people and whatever else, the sitters and all the rest of it, going to hell or something, I don't know. But just something inappropriate for a, a sporting figure to be doing, but, you know, a whole bunch of that. But she's copped a lot of flack and she basically, I think it's just, um, She's just tired of just copying a lot of flack, and and um, she she did quite a good job, I thought, but unfortunately, rugby unions just ain't what it used to be. I think so. It's um, unfortunate, but hopefully, it'll it'll get picked up again. But I mean, there, there was actually um, there was one of the owners um, uh, for Western Force, um, Andrew Forrest. He's he's got a hell of a lot of cash behind him. He's a, I think he's a billionaire off the top of my head, um, but he basically thinks that she was a scapegoat. Um, he basically said that. Uh, Rugby Union Australia's board and the management were doing such a crap job and they've just said, well, I need to give the, the public a head and just say this is who, whose fault it is. Um, and basically he said that the board just did that. So, I mean, I, I don't know, but it just seems a bit ridiculous if they're going to go and blame someone that's been there for a couple of years for a pretty woeful performance. Um, but that's pretty much that's pretty much all the, the negatives I can think of. Do you guys got any final points on those two uh, Muppets stepping down or? Nah, nothing for me, Matt. Nah, not at all. Well, let's have a look then at, uh, at something that's probably something that I know that, that Cootsie's been really wanting to get onto is the best and worst names in sport. So, mate, lead, lead us off. Who, who, who's, the, t- tell us about it, like your, your favourites. You brought it up earlier today, so let, let's have a look. What, what have you got for us? So we're talking team names in professional or, or any level sport? Yep, go for it. So... Straight off the bat, and I actually have their T-shirt, and I specifically bought it because of the team name. And there's a, I think it's a double, it's a minor league baseball team out of America called the Toledo Mud Hens. <laughs> <laughs> and the origin behind the name is, is not unshocking, is from from where the stadium is, or stadium, um, there it's near a marshland, has a lot of mud hens. So they decided to be the mud hens. So I kind of had to lead with that because I, um, like I said, I I bought the t-shirt. I'm like, who wouldn't go for a team called the mud hens? Mate, I think we should name our, our podcast the mud hens. Like, I think we should well, rename. It, it, yeah, like I, I love I love t- um, team names that have some kind of you know local area. It's synonymous with something rather than like some place like Sydney going. Yeah, we'll be the Swans, they're bullshit. The Swans everywhere, man. That's got nothing to do with being in Sydney. 
like uh, it's simple things like the Carlton Blues as well. They're blue. Why are they blue? Well, they wear blue. Like I get that, but it's not really synonymous with the area or anything. Um, we're talking bad team the names. Like Adelaide going the crew. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. You're talking bad AFL team names. Why? Why would you consciously name your team? After a bird that is synonymous with scabbing mackers out of a bin. Why would Adelaide ever name their team the Crows? Uh, it's true. Like, I, mate, I hate Adelaide on principle. Um, no offence to anyone that's from Adelaide, but uh, yeah, it's 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 just how it is, mate. I, I, I just I think the Adelaide Crows, or and you got Port Adelaide Power. I mean, Adelaide, I thought that was the most ironic team name given that South Australia has constant blackouts. <laughs> I wish you there, bud. That's, oh, that's very well said. There's, I mean, I, I found heaps. Um, top lines, so most memorable names in particular um, were the, the um, Akron Rubber Ducks. Who wouldn't want to play for the Rubber Ducks? <laughs> the, the Montgomery Biscuits. I kid you oh, not, Biscuits. biscuits. But That's one of the amazing. best ones I've found so far is the the Binghampton Rumble Ponies. Rumble. <laughs> I will go out of my way to find that T-shirt. Mate, well, I'm, I'm, when I go to the States, whenever the world opens up again, I'm going to New Hampton. I see it. So, yeah, yeah, Binghampton Rumble Ponies. I will go out of my way to get some kind of fan wear for that team. That's truly amazing. I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. <laughs> my, my, if, if you go, if, if you go on my favourite of all time, and I think because there's a little bit of meaning behind it, as well as some controversy, is um, so the um, uh, National Hockey League, the Chicago team there, the Blackhawks. Um, their, yep. their team was named after the um, US 86 Infantry Division, which their nickname was the Blackhawk Division, um, mm. and Blackhawk is also. Uh, a Native American chief. So on the front of their uniforms, they wear, they have like a, a side view of a big Indian chief head. So it mm. ticks the boxes of both being a little bit controversial as well as just sounding really cool and being called a Black Hawk. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, also, you know, we have a cool helicopter called a Black Hawk as well, but, you know. Well, that's a, yeah, exactly right. So, you, yeah, you, you tick all boxes really with that one. That, that, that is, it's a solid one, it's a solid one. What about you, Bondo? What did you find? Well, I'm surprised, Coots, you didn't touch on these, uh, but you've obviously got a couple of uh, college teams, uh, the Fighting Irish and the Gamecocks. Gamecocks. Does the Fighting Irish count as being racist? Well, I think that's I'm... just observant. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? That's great, Cole. That yeah. yeah. You um, win. Straight off the bat, you win, mate. Points to one. <laughs> the, the weirdest team name, I think, that I found, uh, the University of California Santa, Gr- Santa Cruz Banana Slugs. But I mean... What? Nothing like inciting fear in the opposition like a banana slug. One, two, wow. three banana slugs. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not there, is it? That's yeah, uh, amazing. yeah. I, yeah, I got but worst team names. <laughs> worst team names. I've got three, and a question mark over the first two. So the Forty ers and the Seventy Sixes. I'm like, where does that even come from? You know, what's the significance? 
if it's the year it was formed, come up with some originality. Like, don't just put a standard so, name there and go, oh, forgot about that. I know the 49ers was a tribute to their prospecting, the, the gold rush that happened in the San Francisco around 76. And just reading now that the 76ers is, uh, as in the Philadelphia 76ers, is uh, a, a tribution to the um, State's Declaration of Independence, which was signed in Philadelphia in 1776. Wow. Like, Nelly fell asleep just then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Like, I'm all for team names that sound scary and interesting, and I like team names that have some synonymous, something that identifies that area. But, yeah, again, 76ers, because oh, that's where they signed this bit of paper, which I get is important to some people, but, you know, as far as a team name goes, you, you can't really get behind that, can you? Uh, well, well uh, we can just go with, like, the, the Independence or the, you know, something like that. We're talking about, like, was it the... The, in the NHL, there is a team called the Washington Capitals. Yes. And then what's the baseball equivalent of the Washington is Nationals. Yep. Wow. <laughs> in, in the NFL, they really went swinging for the fences for racism and went to the Redskins. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, this, that's a deep rabbit hole going down that one. A hundred percent it is. But sorry, Bondo, you had you had a third one, mate. Who what was your third one? Yeah, so my third one is worldwide. And it's right. team names like the Tigers. I know LSU Tigers, I know the Bengals. But I mean, come on. Come up with something a little bit more original than that. Every second team, yeah, we're the Tigers. But who yeah. cares? Come up with something original. It's true. We've, we've even got a couple in Australia. We had the Melbourne Tigers for the NBL. We had we've got the West Tigers or Balmain Tigers as they used to be known. It's ridiculous. Richmond, Richmond Tigers. I mean, yeah. Every every league has probably got a Tigers in it, and I'm just sick of it. Cut it away. <laughs> Fuck Tigers. Why don't they just go extinct? God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty bad. sure there's no Tigers in Richmond anyway, but. Oh, mate, I've been to Richmond, man. I'm pretty sure there is. It's just uh, not, it's not the animal. They're cougars, man. We're not tigers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I've uh, never been to Richmond, so I can't speak to that. No, that, it, you, no you, you, you're exactly right. It's, it's a brilliant place. I love it. No, but uh, look, I, I found I found, uh, I found a few good ones. I loved them. Um, there, there was, these are a couple of obscure ones. One is the Thailand Tobacco Monopoly, so TTM. Um, that's a <laughs> Um, that's that's the the difference between Australia and Thailand is that they don't give a shit about uh, the tobacco licensing over that way. So yeah, Thailand tobacco monopoly, good on them. Um, where else was there? There was uh, oh, there, there was there's one I, I'm not going to say it correctly, but it's the University of Arkansas, and that's at the University of Arkansas at Monticello Bowl Weevils. Bowl Weevils. Bowl weevils. Now, a weevil, uh, if you haven't seen one before, if you leave your sugar out or your flour out for a long time, weevils is what gets into your flour. They're little black thingies. They look kind of like, they're just little black bugs. So I don't know why you'd name your team after a weevil, but anyway. Keep um, my tongue. Who, who came up with that? And what, like, what, who, what drug dealer did they see to then have the epiphany to go, I'm going to name my team after that? 
Oh, like, really? Clearly, they're tripping the best asset ever to go, I'm going to name my team after a bug that gets in my sugar every other Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's quite bizarre, man. Like, I uh, really, some some names I, I don't, I do not understand. Like, I, some of the teams, like, in the XFL, like, I, I thought they were great. Like, I love the Roughnecks. I thought that was a great name. Yeah. Um, I love the, the Battle Hawks. A little ridiculous, but still awesome. Um, like, there's there are some great names out there. Um, I mean, but, I mean, I, I follow a team. Like, Collingwood is my team in the AFL. Now, they have a magpie. Now, the magpie is quite a dangerous animal if you're riding a bicycle. But outside of that, it's not really going to do you much harm because it's a, like a, a bird that weighs about 300 grams. But anyway, um, but uh, no, but my favourite, though, by far, this was probably the, the most ridiculous name in, in team sport. Now, it's from Scottsdale Community College. So uh, I don't know too much about Scottsdale Community College, but um, they're, they're literally called the Scottsdale Community College Fighting Artichokes. <laughs> yeah, so the fighting artichokes. Now, apparently, it's the age-old thing where basically you chuck the word fighting in front of something and just try and make it sound macho. But uh, <laughs> it didn't really work. But uh, yeah, That's completely yeah. nonsensical. Yeah, fighting artichokes. I, I mean, an artichoke might fight because, of, like, for me to get it down because it tastes horrendous, but that's about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, mate. But um, I don't know. There's some great ones though, like the Bobcats. That they were around for a long time. Um, Baltimore Ravens. That's a cool name, I guess. Um, but there, there's, I don't know. There, there's some good ones like Milwaukee Brewers. That's a good one. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great name, isn't it? That's a great name. Good name, that one. Good name. <laughs> I got, uh, I got one. For, a couple more for you before you, we we tick this off. The Fort, My, the Fort Myers fighting muscles. So this is another example of putting fighting in front of a word and making it sound tough. <laughs> hey, man. If, have you ever fought a muscle? No. <laughs> no. Uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. What? Jackson, where is that? What do they play? Uh, it's a minor league baseball team. Mate, they've got all the best ones. Major, minor, sorry, minor league baseball have the best names in any sport. And that, and that's purely what I'm reading off is, you know, the the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Um, there's another one here, the Lansing Lugnuts. Lugnuts. Iron, pig, Iron Pigs, the Paddleheads. I'm just scrolling at random and picking names. The Richmond Flying Squirrels. <laughs> if you're, if this is well, the thing that I, I always get in my head, right, is, is I sit there and think, well, if I'm coaching this team and I need to give an inspirational halftime speech, how am I supposed to sit there and look these guys in the eye and go, do you know what it means to be a flying squirrel? <laughs> It's, it's far be it from the old Rex Ryan. Let's play it like a jet. It's like let's yeah. play like a mighty muscle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's fight like muscle. Um, yeah, yeah, they kind of sit there and don't really do much. So I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> the the best one that I and I'm amazed that has, no one's picked this up. And I think it is probably the best name in sports. And it is ironically one of the most famous teams that isn't really a team in a sport is the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, great name. At, at base, purely on the fact that they travel all over the world and do their 
basketball trip, whatever things. And I don't actually play basketball anymore, but that is, I, I think by far, the Globetrotters, I think is by far one of the best names in the sport. It's, it's a great name, but it's kind of contradictory though, because how can you be a Harlem, from Harlem and a Globetrotter? Like you can't be local and global at the same time. It's quite strange. Exactly. exactly. It creates controversy. It's, it's edgy. Right. It creates conversation. I, I really don't know. I just think it sounds good, mate. It does. It does. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're on the, on the topic of best and worst, let's have a look at the new, um, NFL uniforms. Um, now, a few of them came out. Um, the one I liked, uh, Atlanta, they brought out a new one. Um, they've gone pretty sleek. Um, it's, they've got the pretty, the, the one that they've got there, uh, Matt Ryan is in it. I can see it. It's all black with, um, with just a red stripe down the side. Looks pretty cool. Um, I like that one the best, I think, out of the Atlanta ones. But, um, there was also a couple others. I think your, your Chargers, mate, they brought out a new one too. Yeah, that seems to be a common theme of, I think there was five NFL teams that brought out new uniforms. I think the Rams brought out a new logo and helmet design, and the Colts had a slight design to their number and, and logo on that. But uh, like you said, the, the, the Falcons had a really good one. I'm kind of a fan of the, the gradient from black to, to red. looks pretty different. Um, but most of the uniforms seem to be a throwback. Like, I love the Chargers. It's their 70s, 80s remix of powder blue, predominantly yellow pants, and I love the number in the helmet. Just for some reason, looks looks awesome. I really, really dig it. Um, and then the kind of the the Patriots kind of had a new um, new uniform, but it's really their was it their color rush Guernsey that they just made their yeah. the normal home strip. And same thing yeah. with the Browns is they kind of went, they got rid of that poxy Cleveland and Browns written down the leg kind of thing and had a, a throwback yeah. to, you know, a time that they were, you know, more successful. <laughs> Which was quite a time. I mean, the Buccaneers did the same thing. They, I reckon they had the worst uniform in football, the Buccaneers. They had yes. that stupid alarm clock numbers. And it just, yeah, it just didn't make any sense. The only thing, they, they went back to their 2002 when they won a Super Bowl with John Gruden, ironically, as the head coach. So they went back to their prominently red, white, and pewter. The thing that's a bit weird is I, I can't, I don't, I can't really get on board with the all pewter uniform, which is, no, I can't great. even describe the colour. It's quite <laughs> bizarre, but, but the rest of them look pretty awesome. They look really, really good. Atlanta no, in particular, I love the the Atlanta with just the the, uh, um, the Atlanta acronym on it. It's very NBA esque. It is actually you're right. No, it definitely is actually. They did quite a good job. I I thought Tampa was good. What, what did you reckon, Bondo? Have you seen them? Mate, I have, and I'm going to be a little bit of a killjoy here. I think I looked through all the NFL uniforms, and I think they're all a bit of a yawn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming from a place where you know, we have, and I don't like the magic rounds and the indigenous rounds and all that kind of stuff. There's a round for everything in the NRL these days. But I like, I like designs on like the jerseys and the uniforms and stuff. I like to see a little bit of something different. Like what's wrong with a bit of digicam on the footy field or, you know, it's something that adds to the uniform. Like, yeah, you're throwing at an orange shirt. But, I mean, as long as you can differentiate old mate running back from 
the, the opposition, basically, is all you're really worried about. So come up with something interesting to look at. Um, you know, the F1 guys with their helmets, new designs every year, cool designs, NRL with their um, sponsored rounds and stuff like that. The it's Marvel fun. That kind of stuff. Yeah, so why can't they sort of bring that in as a norm rather than just, you know, a big yawn session of purple and white or, you know, whatever other two colours that you want to mesh together. So, um, yeah, a bit of a killjoy, but I'd like to see something a little bit more original. Uh, you're right. I mean, you are right to, to a point. I mean, the big thing with the NFL is they don't have sponsorship on their uniforms and that kind of thing, so they can't really add too much to it, I guess. But, like, even with um, – they have, like, the Seahawks uniform is a really good one. But that That's a great one. But then you look at something like uh, – like I mentioned the one before, like the Steelers, where they have, um, like, the Bumblebee round, where they do the Heritage round and they've got the black and white stripes across. And um, it's, it's really cool. Like, I, I love all that stuff. But – there's not a lot of it's kind of like the it's kind of like just the the Toyota Camry of uniforms you know like they're just kind of like they're just kind of very plain you know that that, that that's all they are like they're they're not anything too flash they're just kind of there like they're not anything too special so you're right man I, I I agree like I do I do like the the uniforms the new ones particularly the dark blue bolts ones they came out they were quite good um and the Jets I think they brought a new one last year I think and they're quite good as well but. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe they should just make every year, every game color rush around. I mean, that'd be tough for the Cootie though, because the, they're never all single colors. But yeah, it would be ideal. <laughs> oh, I never got over the moron who decided to put Buffalo in all red and then the Jets in all green and play each other. I couldn't tell who was who. <laughs> I seriously like watching the game. Apparently, me and like every other fifth person in the world who was colorblind. Couldn't see. I had to look at the colour in the helmets, which didn't help me because I both played white helmets. Like, I, I seriously, watching it, it just confused me. I really couldn't tell what was going on. But Bond, I good job, a really wait, good wait. point. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, hang on, who am I going for? I don't know. Why am I? And then I just like, realisation is, why am I watching the Bills and Jets play? But um, <laughs> what Bondo hit a really good point is a lot of the, for some reason, the NFL uniforms are very kind of... They're kind of lacking a bit of flair. I am biased because I love the charges. I love the bolt. It looks, and I love the colours in particular. Look amazing. Um, For some reason, in the college game, they have some of the best uniforms in terms of what you wear for American football, and they have some of the most iconic uniforms throughout all of kind of rugby and rugby and gridiron. We include NFL and college and what the Canadians do as well. And for some reason, like. (laughs) The Air Force have a great one. For so, like a couple of years ago, they brought out one where the helmet was full on, um, like Spitfire uh, body art. It had the big snarling um, shark teeth and the big, you know, evil yeah. eye. And then the, the the helmet itself was silver and it had like pot rivets decaled into the helmet as well. Like it looked really, really good. So why yeah. that doesn't translate into the NFL, I don't know. Hell if I know, man. It's a, to me, it seems like they'd sell more jerseys if they did, but, man, who knows? I mean, that's what they did with the NRL. I mean, that's why they have the Marvel round, because they could sell more jerseys. But, well, uh, yeah. well the, the AFL's tried it to a lesser extent as well. Like, we all remember the debacle when Carlton came out with the the wolf grey uniform, which looked like they were wearing uh, pyjamas, which <laughs> makes no sense. There's, there's a team called the Blues, and let's put them in grey. Um, I do like the AFL 
trying new uniforms. And I think the easiest thing moving forward is with all the different teams and all the different colours is let's have an NBA approach. If you're away, play in your predominant white strip. Yes. And then if you're home, play in whatever you want. And the thing I love about um, uh, NFL, I know the Chargers do it, I know the Buccaneers do it, is because they really like to be the arseholes at home. So predominantly, if you're playing away in the NFL, you wear your white strip. But because the Chargers play in California, which is hot in the start of the season in their summer, and the Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins as well, they're playing in that hot, humid summer weather. They go, no, Buggy, we'll play in our away strip. We'll play in a predominantly white strip. Tampa Bay, I love, they do that. We'll play in our white strip. You wear your, uh, you know, home coloured strip. And by the way, your bench, in the afternoon when you play, it's in that blaring 115 degree centigrade, yeah. you know, humid heat as well. So the Bucks, they've designed that stadium beautifully where the home team gets the shade in the afternoon. And if you're the home team, you're staring into that sun that's 115 degrees or whatever, and you're playing in colours, which is even hotter. Nothing's going to cool you down when you're wearing that many pads and that much helmet. No, that's true. That, that's funny, hey? Like, you, you don't think of that sort of stuff until you see it happening. It's hilarious. Right. I, I just, I, I love the, let's look for the unfair advantage in sport. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Well, that, that, that's that's what you have to do, I think. It's just like, you know, the Falcons pumping crowd noise and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty amazing. Oh, that's, that was brilliant. They should have got a draft pick for that, not be fined a draft pick. That is amazing. <laughs> Who would have thought of that? Oh, mate, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't see why it's a problem, really, to be honest with you. I don't know why they got fined for it. It's pretty stupid. But anyway, but uh, actually, speaking of stupid, Bondi, uh, the obscure sport, mate, what have you got for us? Yeah, mate, so I went to the Netherlands this week for sport, and I almost picked Hal Sitzen, uh, Sitten, uh, which roughly translates to pole sitting. Um <laughs> But when I was scrolling, and that's as boring as it sounds, believe me. I'm I'm scared to Google that. I'll be honest. I'm not going to put pole sitting into my Google. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't Google that because there was a more. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's obscure because it's derived from netball um, and basketball, uh, but it was formed back in 1902, and it's called korfball. Uh, so it's eight aside, four men, four women. Uh, and there, there are only, well, only really two teams that play it. Um, and they have a World Cup, so it took me right back to baseball. <laughs> They've got a World Series of baseball and there's like three countries that play it, right? Um, so I'm like, nah, I've got to look into what this absolute dross is. So, um, yeah, so they're in the, divide the court into quarters, um, very, very similar to basketball and netball. Um, but like I said, the four men, four women on each side. Um, you can only defend someone or play against someone of the same gender. Um, so that's, well, yeah, it's good. I think gender equality um, was good. But it was formed in 1902. It was a featured sport at the Summer Olympics in uh 1920, 1928, and then just died in the ass. Uh, the world <laughs> championship came in at around 1978. Um, the Dutch have won every single one except 1991, which they lost to Belgium. 
Um, but the other um, ranking teams that have all ranked in at third place, Chinese Taipei, Portugal, Great Britain, and Czech Republic. Uh, so not a big sport, but I thought it was really funny to have featured in two Olympic sports as like an emerging sport back in the 20s, a hundred years ago now, actually. Um, <laughs> go absolutely nowhere and have a world championship. Um, yeah, and call it a world championship. I, I just think it's ridiculous, but equality in sport, which is nice to see. Hey man, no, it's, it's pretty solid. Like I'm actually reading it. Yeah, team members eight per side, four male and four female. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Like it's it's. Uh, I was just having a look through because I thought you said corkball, like as in C O R K, but it's C O it's C O R F, K O R F. Sorry, ball. K- yeah, um, I was going to say yeah. I was having a look through it, but it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty out there sport, man. I mean, like I, I think it, the the thing that I think looks the weirdest in the whole game is like they looks like they're just playing netball with a soccer ball, but the ring itself is like this big yellow bucket. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's a bucket with a butt cut out of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, man, come on. Jeez, you could just chuck that from the other end and just nail it from there. Like, it's just ridiculous. But no, it's cool, though. I like it. it it's it's different. Like, uh, it's it's basically where they really have just taken, like, basketball and netball, mushed them together and gone, yeah, okay, we shall do this from the Dutch lab and just play... So, and we'll call it a golf ball. You know, it's not, it's not anything. It's not netball. It's golf ball. But no, it's cool. really interesting is when it was a very young sport, it was toted to be a monster that spreads its claws to all sides by one of the newspapers because, and get this, because the women were showing their knees and ankles. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> Jesus, mate. And, and, and what do we have now, buddy? We've got Foxy NFL and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's, uh, lingerie football is ridiculous. <laughs> lingerie football, yeah. <laughs> Oh, mate, it's a different time. It's a different time. Um, no, all right. Um, but now you, you, you touted your uh, your wanker of the week, Kuzi. Who have you got for us? Uh, so I've actually got – I've got a dual winner this week, and I only found it about 20 minutes before the podcast kicked off because I all was right. originally going with um, uh, Bill O'Brien from the Houston Texans, but we talked a lot of NFL, and I stumbled across these clowns literally 20 minutes before you called, and I'm like, this is too much NFL. Let's go and bag out the rugby league a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know so, how to go. <laughs> so I got Josh Aldo Carr and Latrell Mitchell, who got yep. busted on social media on a camping trip over the weekend, or the last few days, I'm not too sure. Um, it, it wasn't so much the crime that they committed that during this this period of self-isolation that these guys decided to go camping. It was more the bullshit excuse and the half-assed apology that they gave via social media on their actions. And, and this is some direct quotes on what they said. Um, so the apology from Josh Aldo Carr was, nothing was intentional or deliberate and that he was just trying to connect with our culture again. Now, these guys were, like, riding... There was, like, 12 of them riding dirt bikes and shooting crap with shotguns and whatnot on a camping trip. I don't know what culture they're referring to, but in no way were those actions a direct reflection of getting back in touch with our culture again. And the second one was Latrell Mitchell, who said, um, you know, 
I know we're participating in that social distancing stuff and that he couldn't turn down the brothers when they wanted to go camping. That so, so-called social distancing stuff, I know you use air quotes, that is like specifically designed to prevent the progression of a global pandemic that's killed more than 200,000 people. Yeah, we, 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 we're just, you know, with all that social distancing stuff. So that, that was the biggest thing that really, really ticked me off about these, you know, apart from the fact that what they did, it was more of a fact, the half-assed apology, that, that first they tried to downgrade what they were doing, that it wasn't that big a deal, where it's just something is, let's get fuel on the way out to the farm that can pass on something as simple as COVID-19. Yeah. So they played to try to downplay that. And then they also, just the insincerity of their apology, where they just didn't really care that they, or seemed to give the impression they didn't really care that, oh, we had some family members that were in strife. Okay, that, that's fine. If they're really in strife, there's COVID-19 helpline, help, help, um, helplines and all that for that kind of stuff. That if you just want to go out, ride dirt bikes and shoot shit, just own it. We stuffed up. We rode dirt bikes. We were shooting stuff with guns. We just wanted to go out and have fun. I think people can identify and respect them more if they just owned and said, we stuffed up, we did that, rather than, oh, I had some people that were in trouble and let's try and downplay it. We didn't do anything that bad. So if you're going to do it, just own it. Stuff up. People will accept the apology a lot quicker and they're going to be less likely to call you a dickhead in the process or, in this case, a wanker of the week. Yeah, nailed it, nailed it. Good job on the good tie-in back of the wanker of the week. I liked it. But no, I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah, absolutely true, mate. I mean, like, I thought that, um, I mean, like, they're not, these guys, they're not obviously going to be there because they're road scholars. They can be, uh, not the smartest blokes in the shed, not the, the sharpest tool in the shed or anything like that. But, mate, honestly, um, I mean, when you're, the, the, the part of all of this that I thought was, was dumb, and this, this is the, the one point is, if you're going to do something that clearly you know damn well you shouldn't be doing, don't put it on social media. Plain and simple. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there, there is absolutely no need to be like, "Hey man, you're shooting some stuff, and check me out right doing burnouts on my on my doing body monos on the bike or whatever you want to call it, whatever they're doing." Just don't don't put it on Instagram. Like you don't need to do that. Like for God's sake, like they, no, no one would have known they're on a rural property in the middle of nowhere. Like you don't need to go and be posting crap everywhere. But I don't know. But. That's the other point too. Is is why? Okay, you the the whole reason they went out there was apparently because they had some family members that were going through some tough times. In any of the social media postings, that was never portrayed in any way, shape, or form. They just showed themselves being wankers in this case, riding yep. dirt bikes and shooting stuff. There wasn't any way. Hey, we're out here looking after our family or anything like that. Which leads me to believe, and I granted I'm not a highly educated man, but even the most simplest person can read <laughs> through the half-assed apology. That going, we just wanted to ride dirt bikes and shoot shit, not go check on people. So the argument collapses on itself, which is again why they're worthy winners of Wanger of the Week. Great, great. Uh, I don't know, like I don't know what punishment they're going to get, but hopefully they. Um, well, I don't think they're going to get delisted or anything, but they'll definitely get a, probably get a fine, a slap on the wrist of some sort. Though. But the, again, like the, the point you harped on just a second ago, or sorry, the val very valid point you brought up a second ago, is that if you are a public figure, which a professional athlete in any capacity is, without being its first job, 
a person in the public eye and you post yeah. on social media, which automatically has, you know, a certain amount of, amount of followers that, you know, carries triple, tri- triple or quadruple digits in most aspects. Don't, don't put it on, just don't do it. And you yeah, think just that, that would be just like, you think like if you are the coach or the, whoever's in charge of discipline at the clubs or wherever they belong to, we, you would, the first question is why, why, why? Like, just at some point, why would you do that? And secondly, apart from making yourself look stupid, you've also made the club look stupid, and then you do what any person like myself who doesn't really follow the NRL says is typical rugby dickhead, and then it just just all leads back to the question of why would you? That's that's it exactly, <laughs> mate. You hit the nail on the head. That's it. Um, well, lads, we, we've cracked well over the hour mark, so we'll, we'll, we'll probably we'll have to cut it short there. But uh, do you guys have any final points? Yes. So Go for LSU oh, was the only yeah. school to get number one picks in all four drafts. So NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB. Go LSU. LSU. Oh, they nailed it. All four across the board. Crushed it. Yep. Jesus, well, mate, if I ever figure out how to um, become an amazing sports person and go back in time 10 years, I'm going to go to LSU. <laughs> mate, it'd be more than 10 years. Yeah, you're right, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good God, mate, I keep forgetting how old we are now. <laughs> oh, jeez. In fact, what a, it's nearly, nearly 15 years, actually, now that I think about it. My God. Anyway, that's Points right. to Bondi well, again. Yeah, mate, he's, he's done well. He's done well. He's, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, lads, we'll, we'll leave it there. But uh, if you listen, make sure you subscribe and, you know, jump in and give us a review and all that kind of stuff. But thanks, guys. We'll, we'll leave it there. Cheers, Cheers Mark.